0: On episode 526 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Kara Fitzgerald and discuss her book, Younger You Reduce Your Bio Age and Live Longer Better. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusFitnessPodcast.com forward slash 526. Have you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness? 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA Level 1 run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right? Let's go. Hey, Raz. Hey, Ellen. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Um, good. Well, yeah, good and bad. Like I said, uh, the last time we talked, You know, there were some things going on uh, with me here. Uh, with the gym in particular, mm-hmm. uh, my landlord decided uh, that it was time for them to mark up my rent to, to what they felt was full market uh, mm. on the space. And in the past, the agreement had kind of been that they wanted a gym next door, that it was good for them to have a mm-hmm. gym next door. And so they had agreed to, um, you know, a moderate reduction in what would be considered market rent. But now they just full out want market rent. And we've been open over a month, I mean, over a year since COVID, we just add a year when they decided to do this. And so it was just, you know, bump, there's a 45% increase in rent. And I can tell you the gym business is not a high margin business in general. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you have members, they pay, there's no contracts here. So this is not like I've got people locked into a year and they pay and they don't show up here. If they don't pay, they don't show up. They don't show up, they don't show up. They don't pay. <laughs> and so it's it's just that you know i can't there's just no way you tell your members okay rent went up 45% i need you to pay me 45% more uh, mm-hmm. i would lose all my members so i decided it was a good time for me to go check out this this thing called the market and <laughs> and he was absolutely right what that was they wanted to market up to a market price and 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 all that and i'm like well that's great but i knew if i could get if i paid market i could probably get something better something that was more suitable they, they've been having issues with their their their, their hostels what they are hotel hostel and so some of their members are right on the other side of the wall of our gym and so people are in there lifting weights or the music's playing maybe just a little louder than you know you need it um and so they get complaints and mm-hmm. it happens about once every four or five months he'll kill someone will send me an email saying you guys got to cut the music off and you know move away from the wall and and I'm Jeez. like, no, I, not, you know, I'm done. Uh, anyway, and also the gym doesn't have a bathroom. So now, now I've found a space. We're going to have a bathroom. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a fair amount of space. It's not, it, it's not as big as what we have, but it's, it's something we can make work. And it's still right in town. So it'd be, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good move for us from the perspective of having something solid locked in. And, uh, you know, and then be able to run the gym, at least with some expectations that our landlord's not going to come after us for double digit rent increases. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So how are things up there?
1: Good, good. You know, I just got back from a race and, um, my training that I've been doing with the trainer has been paying off. I had a great race day and, um. I'm excited uh, for what's up ahead. My marathon will be in a few more weeks, so. Oh, good, good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, no, it's no, exciting. not fingers.
0: Not fingers crossed. You've got this. You put the work in. <laughs> yeah. You put the work. Yep,
1: in. doing the work, making progress. <laughs> yeah, so it's that's not, right. It's not luck.
0: It's <laughs> this is this is dedication and 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 investment.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, my trainer's been really great, so it's it's definitely paying off. Good. Good. All right. Well,
0: you want to have this
1: conversation with Kara? Sure.
0: Our guest today is the first ever recipient of the Emerging Leadership Award from the Personalized Lifestyle Medicine Institute in recognition of her work on DNA methylation. She received her doctorate in naturopathic medicine from the National University of Natural Medicine. She lectures globally on functional medicine, is on the faculty of the Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM, and is an IFM certified practitioner with a clinical practice in Newtown, Connecticut. She runs a functional medicine clinic immersion program for professionals and hosts the podcast New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. With no further ado, here's Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. Dr. Fitzgerald, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness.
2: It's great to be with you today.
0: Now, I'm, I'm going to admit I'm a health geek. Uh, that's why I do what I do. And um, your book, Younger You, Reduce Your Bio Age and Live Longer Better. Uh, I so geeked out on this book. Uh, <laughs> but great. but that's, you know, I don't want to scare anybody away. It is a great book for a geek. But it is also very easy to understand. You've written things in a way that anyone can go through and kind of pull this together and say, hey, all those words that were out there that used to just kind of confuse me, they now make so much more sense.
2: Got it. So appreciative to hear that. That's very high praise. We worked hard. Kate Hanley worked with me in writing this, and she really got in there and translated so that it is understandable and the analogies make sense. And it is, you know, people can do it. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the quotes, and I, I'll i always, some, the good books, I'll just say, that. when I find a good book, I'll I'll usually find something in it like this, just this nugget of a quote, typically a quote, or it might be a stat, but usually a quote that I'll say, okay, this is important. And this is something that needs to be shared over and over and over and over and over again. And here's, here's the quote I'm taking from your book. When you give your body what it needs without beating it over the head with pharmaceuticals and synthetic hormones, you empower your body's own innate wisdom to lead the way and and that is that is such a powerful statement.
2: Yeah, just allow trusting the body wisdom.
0: Yeah. And your younger you program that's exactly what you're doing. That's right. So, I want to start out with some definitions because this is a technical issue when you start talking about genetics where mm-hmm. we're 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 not talking about carbs and protein and fat and we're not talking about bench presses and barbell curls and things like that. Those are those are complicated. For for a lot of people, but when you start getting into genetics and epigenetics and these things, it can seem very intimidating to someone that didn't study this or hasn't yes. isn't really comfortable with the science of all of this. Can we talk about chronological age versus biological age or bio age?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's simple, right? Chronological age is how many years we've been here on the planet. You can't change it. No matter how much we might want to be 29 again, <laughs> we're not changing that. Um, biological age is really the measurement of our our physiologic age, um, how healthy we are, what our wear and tear looks like. You know, are we are we breaking down faster physically than our chronological age, or are we breaking down more slowly? And you know, obviously, we want the latter.
0: Yeah, And in the book, you give us some some references to places we can go to get this done, like in a lab situation, but you also give us some easy tests, like just take this test and this will give you a general idea, plus or minus, uh, how well you're doing. So I I appreciate you making that easy for someone to go out there and just say, okay, where's my starting point? And then after going through some of this, actually be able to see progress because progress is what makes us, what motivates us to keep Mm -hmm. doing these things. So I appreciate that being a part of this book.
2: We have it online now. So that biological age subject subjective questionnaire you're referring to is online and I'll give you the link. It's just younger, you program.com and then you can just do it yourself. Easy peasy. And as many times as you want, and it is fun and it is illuminating.
0: Now let's, let's talk about genes, uh, what genes are and what epigenetics is
2: yeah okay and I want to make sure that I fold into that um, at some point how we actually measure biological age because that's tucked into this epigenetic conversation. Our genes are the our hardware basically they're you know they, they, they're just kind of tucked into the nucleus of the cell um, really not doing anything unless they're called upon to turn on. So we've got about, 23,000 genes, less, far, far less actually than, than most plants, our genome is relatively simple. And when we mapped the genome out back in the early 2000s, there was a belief that we were going to be able to find a genetic cause for all of the chronic diseases that we are swamped with. And upon completion of the genome, it was clear that it was that was too simplistic of a goal. And that ushered in the era of of epigenetics or epigenomics. I mean, and epigenetics has been around for a long time, but there's a lot of attention here now. And what that is, is epi is above and genetics is our genetic material. So above the genetic material or how we regulate genetic expression. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is how our diet and lifestyle habits, our mental and emotional experience, our stress, um, our toxins, et cetera, all of these things that we're interested in in the health space. It influences genetic expression, and, you know, and you're, and you're looking at those changes right here in epigenetics. So it's where environment meets genetics.
0: And and the way, the way I kind of understand it is, okay, I used to think a gene was either on or off, but as I understand, it's sort of like a dimmer switch and the epigenetic aspects of it are kind of, okay, is this more on, more off or all the way off or all the way on? And some of these genes are like, you you talked about tumor suppression genes that over time kind of get turned more off, more off, more off as we get older, or as we deal with toxins or. We just don't yes. take care of ourselves. So the epigenetics aspect of it is really kind of almost how toggling on how, how much is this gene working versus not working?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Okay. That's exactly and it's right. it's different
0: than I can't toggle my A's different colors, uh, by messing with my epigenetics. Some of these things are hardwired, but a lot of the health aspect things that we're seeing like cancers and other diseases of age, mostly diseases of age and lifestyle, mm-hmm. we're seeing yes. those are controlled by epigenetics.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right.
0: Okay. Now you're diving one layer deeper. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to take this next step down. And this is a very important step because this is the basis for how you've organized everything you do. And that is DNA methylation. Can you first tell us what methylation is? And then what is DNA methylation?
2: Yeah. So methylation is a process that's happening and really everywhere in the body, pretty much all of the time. I mean, I almost, this isn't scientifically correct, but it's like oxygen. You know, we know we need to be breathing all of the time or we'll die. And I mean, methylation is like that ubiquitous and really maybe, you know, more so. And it's a carbon, a methyl group is a carbon with three hydrogens. Very simple, very fundamental. We're making Methyl methyl groups in the methylation cycle, and then they are, you know, carted off in the structure of a compound called S-adenosylmethionine. People might know it as SAM or SAMe. Um, so this compound SAMe hangs onto a methyl group, and then it goes off to the myriad enzymes that use a methyl group and plops one, plops them Just just engages in, in a whole lot of biochemical reactions in the body. We use methylation to detox. We use methylation to make hormones, you know, things like adrenaline or dopamine or noradrenaline. What else do we use methylation for to make really important uh, fatty acid-associated compounds like phosphatidylcholine and choline, you know, just and, and on and on. I think at last count, there were over 300 reactions requiring uh, a methyl group.
0: Okay. So the way I like to look at this, just from a simplistic, and maybe it's not simplistic, mm-hmm. but to me it's simplistic because I grew up around, I didn't grow up around computers, but I spent a lot of time with computers is I look at genes as kind of being, like you said, it's sort of the hardware and the operating system. Yes. So you bought an IBM, you're an IBM or you're an Apple, you operate a certain way. And then the epigenetics is sort of the software we decide to put in there. So do I want to be, do I wanna do graphics work and I'm gonna I'm gonna be over here doing CAD and working with drawings and things like that? Or am I gonna do crunch big numbers and do spreadsheets and databases? So you use a different software that is going on and that's sort of deciding how you're operating. Yeah, how you're exactly. doing things, and That's then exactly right. the methylation is the data entry. It's the bits and pieces that go in there to say, okay. So <laughs> if this, then that. Well, now what's the if? What what was that if? And it's like d- if you ate whole food, then this. If you ate crap, then this. Uh-huh. And so the software is already there, and we're affecting the DNA methylation, hitting that kind of that if then stuff with our lifestyle and our food and, and everything else.
2: That's pretty that's interesting. I, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in that way and I'll have to ponder it a little bit. There are a lot of um biochemical processes involved in epigenetics involved in gene regulation and DNA methylation is one of them. So it made so I, I just have to I have to ponder your analogy. I think I mean it at a glance it really it's it makes sense, but it's one of the software programs and it's I think it's one of the big guy software programs to, you know, regulate what's going on in us.
0: Okay. Now you have a formula in there and this formula, I think kind of helps us drive how we approach this whole younger, you. your whole younger you program is built on. Okay. We've got this group of things. We got to think about this group of things and this group of things. So you put them into three buckets, but it's a plus, 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 and then that's going to equal where you are with your younger you. Because the first is methyl donors, which, as I understand, is basically things that are going to help, uh, that are going to be donated, the things that are going to go into that process, the DNA methylation adapt- adaptogens, which are going to kind of be the enzyme, the things that are going to make that happen, and then the lifestyle practices that are going to define how well it happens.
2: Yeah, so donors help with fundamental methylation. Like We need to be... We need to be effectively methylating all the time, and we need to supply the body with the ingredients in order to do that. And as we age, we actually do it way less efficiently. The adaptogens are our foods, are compounds that sort of direct where they go, and I think that that's what you said. And our lifestyle pieces also influence what is happening at DNA methylation uh, as well. So they're, you know, maybe they're refinements. I don't. I look at them as you know, further all-important support um, in regulating optimal genetic expression.
0: Yeah. I, I just, when my thought process goes like this, it's like, I can't really control methyl donors. It's not like I could have a switch, you know, on my shoulder or something. It's like, turn it on or turn it off or, you know, make it move here, make it move there. Same thing with the methylation adaptogens, but the lifestyle practices, I have a little bit more control. Now, I do have control of my food. Which is yeah. where a lot of these donors and adaption come from. So let's yes. talk a little they, bit about.
2: They, they do. They all do. So I mean, okay. I would actually, I would challenge you on that. I would say you okay. do have control over what you're putting in your mouth.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the food. Um, okay. You know, you have an, you have a, a lot of different um, aspects to it that I think are really important. Uh, can you talk about food and and this approach and and why it's giving us the methyl donors and the DNA methylation adaptogens.
2: Yeah. So going back to that first quote about giving, you know, our body the ingredients it needs for optimal gene expression. I mean, that's this is it. This is the our food is information. It's extraordinarily complex information, actually. We're just science, scientists are really just unpacking it, you know, that we're just learning how extraordinary it is. And it's not just the isolated ingredients, it's the interaction between the ingredients that are on your fork and then the interactions with your gut microbiome, et cetera. It's just the food matrix um, is beautiful and extraordinary, and my appreciation is always uh, sort of expanded as the science grows. So we want to be consuming foods. We want, so we want to be consuming these methyl donors that we need a lot of, instead of in isolated vitamins. Actually, I shouldn't say instead of, because there are times when we need isolated vitamins. So I, I, I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting we stop isolated vitamins as needed. But, in, but eating as many in a food matrix will yield more bang for our, our buck. <laughs> uh, and so that means, you know, leafy greens. That means spinach. That means kale, asparagus. Um, that means, you know, mushrooms uh, like shiitake or inaki that are just, or uh, maitake that are just loaded with, you know, folate and B12. If you can do it, have some eggs. If you're a, if you're a fan of eating eggs, um, eggs are loaded with choline, beets. I, I try to have you know, a couple small beets every day. They're packed with the methyl support nutrient betine. Another methyl donor superfood is liver. We like people to do about three servings of liver per week. So not loads. And and the eggs we look at in a weekly serving as well. So you don't have to have them every day, but maybe five to to 10 eggs per week. Um, We do have a a vegetarian slash vegan program that one can follow. We just didn't do our research study on it, so you'll have to stay tuned. We're actually continuing to research, so stay tuned there. But this original study was used using animal products. So those are methylation adaptogens. And then the methylation, excuse me, those are the methyl donors' foods. Uh, And then the methylation adaptogens, these are the beautiful polyphenols that seem to direct how the methyl donors behave and where they go. Top ones include green tea, the the catechins, EGCG being most famous, uh, rosmarinic acid in rosemary, quercetin, uh, curcumin, luteolin, what else? Resveratrol, all of the beautiful compounds in blueberries and, and berries in general. So think, or and methane sulforaphane, so cruciferous vegetables. We want you to just be, just fill your cup with these nutrients. And I think together, they just pack a really profound punch. So I'll just stop there and see if you can. No, no, thoughts.
0: no, that's great because some, a couple of things that are there is, yes, if, if you eat keto, if you eat vegetarian, if you eat paleo, if you eat uh, Mediterranean, yeah. all of these stack on top of the yes. way that you're approaching this. But you're just saying, that, and there's some very core things here, high-quality whole food. Uh-huh. You, you didn't say Twinkies or Twiskets or, <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> these are high-quality whole foods. Uh, it is plant-forward. Because a lot mm-hmm. of these uh, methyl yes. donors and the adaptogens that we need, are they're going to come from plants. In that's fact, right. I actually, I think this week was the first time I've ever bought fresh rosemary in my entire life.
2: Wow, uh, good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> cool.
0: Uh, you know, and a lot of the foods that you mentioned, I love. I love beets. I mm-hmm. love liver. And so those are normal Thanks. things. Uh, but it just kind of reminds me to make sure that they're in the rotation enough that I'm, I'm yes. getting enough methyl donors, as you say. One thing that I think is going to be kind of interesting to a lot of people is that your approach is sort of keto leaning, not necessarily yep. all the way to ketosis all the time, but at yep. least leaning towards keto and mm-hmm. utilizing intermittent fasting. Yes. So why are those two a part of this? What do they do?
2: Well, we know that ketones are are extremely helpful. and I And I want to just, before I jump into the, and answer those two questions, I just want to underline the comment that you made about how stackable this is. We used this in clinic practice years before we got to research it. And so we layered these principles into the myriad, you know, very individualized diet programs. So if we had a strict keto you know protein restricted keto with a cancer patient we could layer in these principles uh, if we have somebody with profound allergies or on a food map or you know any of the myriad diets that one might use in clinic practice or even out in the world that you know the diets that people might be exploring these principles are designed to be layerable 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 this is not exclusive the only time you might consider doing this and following it exclusively is if you really want to you know, get the results from our study, and that's an eight-week chunk of chunk of time, and so that's when I would say, but, yeah, if but, you want to. But it,
0: it is a reduction of over three years of bioage, is what you were finding yes. in your study. So this is that's not. Right. It is yeah.
2: eight. It's not chump weeks. change.
0: <laughs> it is yeah. eight weeks, and it's restrictive and it's intensive. Mm-hmm. It's called intensive. We're going to talk about yeah. it in a little bit more detail later, but it it has some pretty, profi- at least when it was a small group. But yeah. it, it, to be fair pretty profound findings from just that small trial in just eight weeks. Yes. Um, I think anyone here can sit there and say, I can, I can do anything for eight weeks, uh, yes. particularly if you see the benefits that I think you'll see if you do this. And then the other side of it is if you're eating a certain way and you hear about some of these other foods, you might have thought, okay, well, I'm in keto and beets are a root vegetable, so therefore I shouldn't be eating them. You can still stay in ketosis yes. and eat beets. I, I do it all the time. It's just a function of being aware of how much you're eating, how many carbs you're taking in and what your tolerance is. And if you get your insulin resistance under control, which is a part of what this diet does as a part of the anti-aging aspects of it, you will probably be able to tolerate more natural sugars from things like beets. And
2: that's exactly right. That's a great point. Yeah. So, right. Absolutely. And you can figure out, you know, when you may consider eating your beets, you know, Perhaps after you've done something cardio, and we're not talking about a ton of beets. You know, I think you know two medium beets a day. So you know, you could cut them in quarters and just have a bite of beet if you're working with blood sugar issues. So, key, so ketone bodies are important. Um, I think epigenetic signal molecules, and I think uh, the, the data around uh, ketones as, as epigenetic regulators is, is just emerging. So they're they're included. We wanted it to be keto leaning for that reason, but also just the potent anti inflammatory potential of having background ketones. You know, their their brain fuel. I mean, they just serve so many. You know, having some circulating ketones, um, having our bodies exposed to some circulating ketones. You know daily for even for a limited period, I think is, is really important in long-term health and longevity. Um, What what I've seen is when someone,
0: someone, when someone gets their gets the metabolic flexibility to be able to use ketones in addition to glucose, what what I've found is that the cravings for glucose go away because the energy source is always there. We carry enough body fat to pretty much function for a long time. Uh, (laughs) and we already have enough blood sugar and and basic available sugar to last us for a couple hours of even intermediate level work. So for most of us, if we get that metabolic flexibility, we're not constantly hangry, not constantly hungry. And so having the ability to utilize ketones gives us that capacity to to choose, gives us some freedom. And for a lot of people, then that also leads into then the intermittent fasting and how easy it becomes once you're adapted to using ketones.
2: Yeah, that's right. And we know, of course, we know that, you know, Longo has done lots of research and data continue to come out showing the benefits of different fasting structures. And we wanted something doable. You know, we didn't want this study to be about intermittent fasting or fasting. We wanted it, we we really wanted this program to be easy, to be doable for a, a, a large population. So it's 12 hours on, 12 hours off. It's very gentle, um, but the data on on fasting, on on time restricted eating, and biological age is just growing, and it's and I think it's good. It's impressive.
0: Yeah, and these are not extremes, and these are not no. uh, you know low calorie. You know that's right. Eat, it's eat, not calorie restricted stuff.
2: <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's if right. You're
0: eating healthy, high quality foods. Uh, you're not trying to blast your body with a bunch of supplements. You're supplementing as necessary. So, you know, this time of year up north, probably some vitamin D, uh, if you're vegan, uh, probably some vitamin B12, uh, you know, just kind of making sure that you're, you're putting the right things in your body. If you can't get it from your nutrition or your body can't make it itself, uh, then you, you do some supplements.
2: Yeah, we do. In our study, we it was very simple. We didn't want to lean on supplements, but I agree with you. And there's a there's actually in the book there's a supplement section in the book where I talk about you know just some workhorse nutrients as you said like vitamin D or if you're vegan B12 and possibly iron in some some circumstances fish oil. You know, there's some some basic things we we want in our background if we're not. Um, adequately consuming them in the diet or for not consuming them at all. Um, But in the study, we only used a greens powder to get just another little hit of those all-important polyphenols that I mentioned. And we used a probiotic lactobacillus plantarum. Uh, And the reason we use lactobacillus plantarum is, I mean, this particular strain has some nice science on it um, for a variety of healthy gut reasons, but um, it's also been shown to be able to increase uh, bacterial production of folate, and we make a lot. We make a we make a ton of vitamins. A healthy gut makes lots of vitamins that we need. Um, and we know so beyond just making vitamins, we know that the microbiome regulates host, you know, epigenetics, and it, it plays a lot, a lot of roles. And it's just you know continually being unpacked. We're just starting to wrap our arms around it. So we know that a healthy gut microbiome is an essential component. So those were just the only two things we used in our study.
0: Yeah. There were a couple of things that I, I took away as you got into this, as far as supplementing and things like something as simple as put your mushrooms out in the sun for a little yeah. while and they'll they'll have some more vitamin D. Or... Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like an easy mushroom hack. Yeah. Yes.
0: Just put it out there. If you've got high quality sun, put it out there for an hour or so. If you, if you can put it out there longer and it's going to soup up the vitamin D you can get from those mushrooms. Uh, also, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, how we'll folate, but we, Typically, when we get a supplement for for folate, we're getting folic acid, right, which is problematic
2: mm-hmm. yeah. so so i I mean, I do want to acknowledge that food folic acid fortification, grain fortification has re- reduced birth defects in this country and other countries. so we we have to acknowledge that public health success. Um, but we also have to acknowledge that that means there are some people get ingesting a lot of folate, be it folic acid in fortified foods or, you know, the other, so in grains, but also in um, milks, in alternative milks. And th- it's a huge issue how how much fortification goes on. If you buy soy or almond or you know cashew milk, et cetera, that's been any degree processed, they'll it'll be fortified with various vitamins. And so we need to keep our eyes open. Folate exists in a U curve. And actually let me finish the folic acid piece first. Folic acid is is synthetic. It's not bioidentical to the folates that we used. And so it has to be active. And I think your listeners probably know you've talked about this. I'm sure that it's, you know, it takes a few steps. It takes more steps and we don't all activate it equally well. And circulating folic acid has been associated um, with issues. As far as DNA methylation goes, imbalanced methylation isn't going to come from folic acid though. So I don't follow that thread in the book too far. Imbalanced DNA methylation can come from... So folic acid has to be activated into a body usable, a bioidentical form, and then it could go on to influence DNA methylation. So any excess forms of any, I think, isolated vitamins can, in some people probably be problematic. And it's, it is not black and white. This does not mean that you throw your supplements out at all, but it does mean that you recognize, you know, if there's excess and you, you know, and you're, you're paying attention. And if you're taking isolated vitamins, you're doing it for a reason, you know, why you're taking that much, you know, are you taking it long-term? If so, why is someone managing that, you know, et cetera, there's, we we just, in the age of epigenetics, so in the the omics era where we can see our genome, our microbiome, our epigenome, et cetera, in this era, we are able to see nutrients, lifestyle, vitamins influence on our physiology more than at any other time. And because of this, you know, I don't think we can any longer say, you know, we'll pee out the vitamins we don't use, et cetera. I think we need to be a little bit more mindful.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you're waste some money. I'm just, I'll just Right. That out right yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Expensive fee. <PA. laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so let's jump into some of the lifestyle things and, and in there you had pretty much four things. And the reason I want to talk about these four things, uh, in addition is this is the message that we hear over and over. You, you can take this back to Brutner when he was talking about blue zones,
2: uh-huh.
0: uh, Dr. Day, um, the probably the last, I would say out of the last 10 episodes, if we didn't talk about these four or five things, we talked yeah. about food, we talked about exercise, we talked about yeah. sleep, we talked about stress management. Uh, in some cases we talked about toxins, which I kind of lo- lump in with stress management. So it's emotional stress or, or actual chemical stress and then social connection. Those four things, exercise, sleep, stress management, and social connection are so important, but yeah. you can they're affecting us at this level. They're, they're at yeah. this level. This is not just a, Oh, I feel tired. Cause I didn't sleep. We're doing something to DNA methylation.
2: Yes. It's pretty crazy. So here we are in this era where we can see what the heck is happening. And yeah, we need these lifestyle practices for a reason. We evolved moving our bodies. We evolved getting a certain amount of sleep and you can see that, um, People, so, you know, originally it was animal studies or there, there are animal and human studies, but most still are animal, but man, you know, just one poor sleep session in an animal model, the damage damages the central nervous systems. There's neuronal damage or there's, in, you know, the, the, the regeneration of neurons or the maintenance of neurons is, it becomes problematic. And we see, uh, in, in humans, insomnia being very pro-aging, uh, as measured by DNA methylation, so sleep is important. And then, you know, just going beyond specifically looking at DNA methylation, so we see that it's disruptive there. Uh, but we see that poor sleep is linked to all of the chronic diseases, which are all fueled by aging. So it comes full circle. So yeah, it's essential for us to get uh, sufficient sleep uh, for you know those of us who want a healthy longevity and a and a. You know, you know a good health span to go with our longevity we really need to be considering sleep we need to prioritize it i talk a lot about sleep in my book and how to do it um because i was a you know a bad sleeper i mean i think of all of the components of our program sleep was the hardest for me uh and so how did i improve it you know it was a lot of little steps probably the biggest one was going to bed like early enough to actually allow my body to get 8 hours you know and not staying up in this anxious state of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to fall asleep. And, you know, and, you know, and we're going to talk about meditation in a minute. That's a great way to bring the body down into a sleep place, you know, making sure my room is dark enough. I put a, uh, an air conditioner in the window in my bedroom so the rest of my house wouldn't be cold to, you know, turning down the central air. And it, it, so because I sleep better in a really cold room, I think most people do. But so just little hacks along the way can add up to good quality sleep. I love using a sleep tracker. I wear an Aura ring. That motivates me. It just get, I like, because I'm a data hound, so I, I like looking at it. I feel excited when I get sufficient deep sleep and REM. And I can also track, did I exercise too late? You know when I exercise a little bit too late, my heart rate doesn't drop, and I tend to be a less efficient sleeper. I will have more disruption if I exercise in the morning. However, I can really get fabulous sleep, so it helps me. But there's a timing component, and you know I just I, I just kind of move through some of those things when I wake up at night. So I still have a to- I have a toddler at home, so I w- honestly I wake up most nights with her, and then I need to be able to fall back asleep. And you know one of the ways that I've done that are actually an important tool. I got this from her, right? I would play white. No- I play white noise for her or uh, rain sounds, et cetera. And I just started doing that for myself, and now it really makes a difference when I need to um, kind of bring myself back down into sleep in the middle of the night when I've been woken up.
0: Yeah, I do a, um, a kind of. I do. I also use the white noise and keep the room cool. Uh, now that my wife is uh, of menopause, uh, she she agrees with me. The room should be colder. Um, before we were, we were 10 degrees difference in where we wanted the temperature of the room to be. We're we're much closer now. Um, but it is, it's that, it's that what is something. And so mine was a, an internal dialogue, a a meditation, if you will, it was very different thing in that. I just visualized myself doing something. Um, at first I, you know, I was, I was struggling with stress of being under a house, a uh, dad of a house and, and, you know, it was a very expensive house. And I was, was we were having troubles with it for, with contractors and everything. It was so it was stressing me out. I actually was laying there one night thinking that I'm under the house and there's, but it's on sand. And so all I have to do is just start digging and I would dig out and I would see blue light and then I would see, feel the sunshine, smell the air, hear the, the noises of the waves and the birds. And then I'd climb out and I'd start walking and I'd be asleep. And what I found was every morning then I found myself, it get easier and easier to dig out. It was, I'd be out and I'd be walking down the beach earlier and I would sleep better. And then one night I was just already standing on the beach.
2: Wow. That's pretty cool. And
0: and so it was just, I'm not, I'm not going to call it a dream as much as just when I was just sitting there thinking about my state of mind and where I needed, where I needed to be and where I was and what it was going to take. It was going to take me digging through the sand. And so every night I would just kind of mentally dig myself through the sand and just say, okay, this is easy. I'm just digging through sand. I can do this blue light. Okay, great. I'm moving in the right direction. I'm doing the right things. And then I'm asleep. Um, So it was just, for me, it was a unique thing. Now I I don't have that house. uh, I don't have those problems. So now I just visualize myself. And you live on a beach. I live on a beach, but but I've just visualized myself somewhere I want to be that I would, I would enjoy. And I start thinking about the sun on my face and how, how that warmth feels and how the air smells fresh. And you can just, just kind of feel it in the waves and, yeah. and all of that. And my and I, it, when you start doing that, it kind of clears your brain of, of anything else you, 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 because you're trying to sensory perceive yourself somewhere, everything else just falls apart. So if there's things that are bothering it. you over the day, it's like that guy cut yeah. me off in traffic damn it. Um, you know, I should've yeah. got his driver's license. I mean, should've got his plate number and turn him into, the, you know, you're not thinking about that anymore. You're thinking about the sun on your face or, or maybe you yes. like skiing and it's the brisk and the cold and you can see your breath. And so those types of things so that for me, that was a it. big point of sleep is to just find a way to turn yours. And yes, white noise is is a big part of that too.
2: You know, I think the take on it, what you're doing sounds, it's just sounds perfect is that we can, you know, we can succeed at this. For people who have struggled with insomnia, and I am right there, um, stress-induced insomnia, like what you're talking about, um, I've absolutely struggled, or just being woken up a lot because of, you know, my my daughter, but both, both varieties, you know, simple steps, we can do it. And, you know, there are times, I don't, you know, not to, I know we have other areas to talk about, but I want to just say that my, my, because I, I know people listening are going to say this, any, if they or think this, any insomniacs out there, yeah, that won't work for me. Yeah, that won't work for me. You know, there's just this discouragement. And I've so, so, so been there. And it's, and, and the fact of the matter is, it can work for you. Um, if you continue to return yourself to, you know, whatever the exercise is like, okay, if you return yourself to the sand and to the blue light, and then your mind goes right back to being under the house, you know, and stuck under that debt. It's so, so, so overwhelming. Then just return. It's like, it's a meditation. It is a meditation practice. It's not like a meditation practice. It is, but you just have to keep with it. I'm sure yeah. there were times when you didn't do it, when you failed at it, and then you'd have oh, to keep oh, oh, returning.
0: Yeah, yeah. Other things were going on. Yeah. And then yeah. I'd, I'd get stuck again. But you know, the, the other thing I found was, okay, if there's something you can't do, what's important is for you to focus on what you can do. So if when I injured my shoulder, okay, well, I couldn't exercise the way I wanted to exercise, but I could exercise some ways. I didn't feel like I was making the progress, but I could really focus on my nutrition I could really start focusing on my stress. If yes. I can't be in the gym for an hour and a half, because that's what I enjoy doing. Now I can, now my basic workout, cause I can't work parts of my upper body. My workout was done in an hour. I now have a half an hour. What do I do? Well, I go home and I sit down, I sit down and I just do a quick meditation, a 15, 20 minute meditation before I take my shower. And I, t- I use that 30 minutes. To change something, or I made sure I made good meal prep. So I know my lunch is packed and everything's ready to go. So I've had a good breakfast. I'm going to have a good, healthy lunch. And so it's just do what you can with what you have, where you are.
2: Yes, that's right. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do we want to move on? Yeah, we're going to move on. But
0: the only reason I said this, I want to back up a little bit because Mm -hmm. earlier I talked about the software piece and you got the hardware with the operating system, the software and the data. And in my mind, the food, the exercise, the sleep, the stress management and the social connections, that's all information. And the information is not just something that's out there. It literally goes to your genes. It goes to the expression of your genes it's the yes. information that makes that stuff happen, good or bad.
2: That's right. That's exactly you know, right. You
0: talked a lot about trauma in the book and how trauma yes. carries forward all the way to our DNA to the point that we can take it forward to the next generation.
2: Yes.
0: So this is this is not a little thing. This is the information that drives your life and it potentially is driving future generation. We're not, I mean, we're obviously, yes. a lot of us are not of um, age where we're going to have children again, but uh, just be thinking about in terms of you yes. know, your, your daughter is uh, son is about to have or about looking at having children. If they start using some of these practices, they're setting that child up for a much better future uh, because yes. their DNA is made of their DNA, which is means that all that encoding is it's, some of it's going over. And the yes. more we can clean that up now, the better.
2: That's right, and we do the best we can, and it is—it does exist on a continuum. So you, you know, you can see changes after, you know, one healthy meal or one exercise event, Um, but clearly you're going to see stronger and more deeply rooted favorable changes um, on DNA methylation or the epigenome with, you know, continued practice. Um, I just want to say because it's so so cool is there's a study looking at exercise and the heritability of that, and, you know, you can you can pass some of those beneficial genetic changes down. <laughs> it's just, I just think it's so cool. I mean, we know this for, for food and, and, and I think trauma has been um, probably better studied than almost anything, the heritability of trauma, but it's just, you know, if you're doing your crunches and you're going to conceive, I mean, go you, <laughs> if you're doing your, your power lifting or whatever, I mean, you can, set, you can hand some of that down. Absolutely. And actually, just thinking about exercise and, and older people, they get more of an epigenetic bang for their buck than younger folks. So you had brought up those tumor suppressor genes. These are cancer fighters in our body. And as we age, or if we have cancer, these genes get you know, really kind of turned off. And exercise helps with re-expression. So um, it's neat. <laughs> it's neat. Yeah. It's, it acts like a methylation adaptogen.
0: All right. So now I want to quickly talk about alcohol, because you mm-hmm. talked about um, a um, adaptogen, R- Rizotol.
2: Rizotol,
0: uh, Riz- yeah. Yeah, Uh And everybody thinks, oh, great, I can have a few glasses of I'll wine every night, wine. and I'm, I'm just all I'm doing is putting antioxidants in my body, and I'm good. Um, and maybe the story is not that clean.
2: Yeah, it's not. We we. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I um. I feel for you. I'm not a drinker at all, but I, I appreciate people who who want to have a drink. It it inhibits methylation. I mean, it's not via a variety of, of mechanisms, it kind of shuts me- methylation down. So I think if you're going to drink, well, if you're doing, if you want to do our intensive, and if you want to get that, you know, three-year biological age reversal that we got on our study participants, just let go of alcohol for eight weeks, just eight weeks. Um, after that, you know, we've got an everyday program that, you know, you can uh, resume drinking if you like to, and but it's modest. You know, we don't want you pounding back the sauce a lot because you will mess with methylation and DNA methylation. Uh, you can you can have some wine, so you know, have some dark red. I think it's help. You know, that's a, a a good variety, a good type. Have it be low glycemic. You know, or do some you know clean gluten free vodka or something like that. Um, but but keep it modest, and maybe you know if you're if you're into it, consider having an extra serving of you know, some methyl donor food that you particularly like in conjunction with that, just to support it.
0: Yeah. Now, so let's, let's get a little into the program because what I really liked, and part of the reason that your book is as thick as it is, is that you gave us every tool imaginable to make this manageable (laughs) for everybody, meaning there is an intensive program, uh you recommend 8 weeks that's how your study was designed and got great mm-hmm. benefits there is an every day version which is kind of a uh a light version of this is a little bit more leeway to do some things. But, but even in the book, you talk about how you can walk your way into this by just picking one or two things to do a little differently and get there. You provide yes. meal plans. If someone wants to follow something stringent, you give us kind of guidelines. If we want to have a little bit more give and take of eating the kind of foods in the way we want to, you show us how we can layer it across different ways of eating, like vegan, vegetarian, uh, keto. Mediterranean, yeah. paleo, which are, is, this pretty much is already paleo if you really map it out. Yeah, And then at the end, you give us a bunch of recipes to kind of make all this work. So it's a, and, and shopping list. So, I mean, yeah. you didn't leave anything it's out. It's like, you literally just I take know. the shopping list, go and say, okay, here's the recipes to make this dish. This is my meal plan for the week. And, and quite you. literally you've, you've laid everything it's out. It, it made yeah. the book over 490 pages, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a did. big book. Uh it's weightlifting. Just think of it that way. It when is. you pick it up off the yeah. ground, it use your legs. It's a big book. Uh, but it's it's got everything in there to kind of walk us through this program. So yeah, is there yeah. anything else you want to talk about with the program that someone should know?
2: I so I appreciate you highlighting that because I have an amazing nutrition team in my clinic practice. It's very competitive. It's we have a nutrition internship program that's world recognized and it's competitive. So we get did just the best and the brightest nutritionists and they did a lot of the heavy lifting in d- establishing our recipes and doing, you know, tasting and establishing the macro, um, and the micronutrient, uh, on each of the recipes. And we just, we worked so hard together as a team and I just always need to give them a shout out. And our nutrition director, uh, our founding nutrition director, Romilly Hodges actually worked on birthing our original program back in, um, uh, 2015, 2016, and so, yeah, it's been built by you know really brilliant minds, and so they'll certainly appreciate you giving them you know just a, giving all of this work, this hard work, a call out. In fact, you're the first person who who really has brought it to light, and so I well, I appreciate no, no, most most of these books, that.
0: honest truth, that I've, I've done I've done over 325 of these inter- I mean, of, of these interviews, and. Mm-hmm. Almost every one of them they'll do their book and they'll have a plan a program, eat these foods, do eat this way. And then they follow it up about a year later with a cookbook. Uh, so you bought the first book and now you buy the cookbook. So they have, they have a, if they have a bestseller with the first book, then their cookbook's going to be a bestseller too. That's typically the, the way that math works. You've just put both books together, but you've done it very well in that it's, it's completely thought out. There's it, I'm not going to say it's dummy proof because you still have to go to the grocery store. You still have to find these things. Uh, you still have to cook it. Uh, all those are good things. Uh, this is going to teach you about nutrition. This is going to teach you about cooking. Uh, you're going to have some delicious. And I, I I, wish I had been in the tasting rooms when you guys were putting these dishes together. <laughs> yeah. You guys had some great meals, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, we did. Yeah, we, oh, they're so good. And they're, you know, they're satiating and yeah. Um, I want to say that it, the Dummy Proof program is in the app. So, you know, if you 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 can link to that in the show notes, it's the 3YY program, but you can find it at Younger You Program. You can find a link to the book and, and then a link to the app, and that's where we'll really hold your hand through doing it. And then all of the sort of next generation younger you um, content that we're interested in will be in the in the app. And actually we're gonna continue to research in the app. So if anybody is interested in participating, that's that's where you want to go. I wanna say one more piece here. Just given your appreciation of this nutrition uh, component and the attention we gave, so we ended up needing to create. I just had to, and I'm so glad the publishers let us kind of nudge it in. um, What we call the younger you hybrid. It's it's half the intensive, layered some of the everyday principles in. It's for when you're um, getting ready to conceive for men and women. Because if you read the book, you'll see men in the world of epigenetics. Yeah, you're a big player in what happens with your. With your baby, um, both you know in utero while your partner's carrying the baby, but then you know the 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 genetic expression pattern that they inherit. You play a huge role here. So, how do we prepare for conception, men and women? What what do we want to be thinking about during pregnancy, and you know, and breastfeeding? And so, we designed this younger you hybrid for that. It just seemed to, it's such a huge. Pr- hugely important time in DNA methylation and demethylation. It's such a huge important time that I I just couldn't leave it out of the book. So that information is in there as well.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a great reference for you today, for your kids today, for your grandkids tomorrow. Now, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well?
2: I love it. I love that. I think that's just such a, a beautiful. I, I you know what? If somebody's going to be the healthiest, fittest, and happiest, I mean, I think that they're going to be you know epi, epigenetically young as well. When I read your your definition and and just sat with it, I what I thought was you know get into the driver's seat of of your genetic expression. When we age, we like in this country, in the United States, the final 16 years, we have at least one diagnosis and most of us have two. Uh, We're on multiple medications. We end up turning over our life savings and all of our hard work to pharma, to skilled nursing care facilities, to um, hospitalizations, like all of our hard existence. You know, we just fork it over. To the medical uh, establishment. And it's just so sad to me. So, aging is the biggest risk factor for all of these chronic diseases that we just want to avoid with every fiber of our being. And it looks like, you know, these diseases, the whole aging journey, take over our genetic expression, like they get in the driver's seat. And so, I would say that we want to be in the driver's seat of our genetic expression. We want to take it back from these chronic diseases. We want to take it back from the aging process and do it. And the, and this program will allow you to do that. So I would say, you know, bathe your genes in methyl donors and adaptogens in a healthy, in the healthy way we outline, you know, get enough sleep, exercise, and you know, well, this is more, I'm going beyond your three, but community connection would be the final.
0: Great. Dr. Fitzgerald, if someone wanted to learn more about you, uh, learn more about the book, uh, younger you, the younger you program and the app that you spoke about, where would you like for me Mm -hmm. to send them?
2: Very simple is just youngeryouprogram.com.
0: Great. Well, you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 526, and I'll be sure to have all the links there. So, Dr. Fitzgerald, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness.
2: Oh, it was my pleasure. It was really great talking with you today.
0: Welcome back, Rez.
1: Hey, Alan, what a really interesting conversation with Dr. Fitzgerald. You know, we've always been told how eating and moving and all these um, lifestyle changes are as good for our health, but now it sounds like the science is out there to kind of prove it as far as our genetics go. Yeah. You
0: know, I think people feel like they're genetically wired to be a certain way, you know, Um,
1: obviously
0: you have blue eyes or you have brown eyes and, you know, that we know why that happens. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things out there that are not so solid state, and they can be changed over time through the process called you know epigenetics, and the Mm -hmm. kind of the mechanics for that is this this process called DNA methylation, and so you know basically what what she's showing us here is that the lifestyle and the food all blend into that communication. It's the information that drives our epigenetics that makes our genes do what they're there to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, we used to buy a, a IBM computer. It had all these little dip switches on the back. And so you'd read the manual and you'd set the dip switches, uh, for, for different things. And it was very, you know, felt very complex. And of course they made software that, that started doing that stuff. Um, and, you know, now, uh, with data, you can say, okay, I'm and I'm user Alan or your user Tammy on the computer and it's, it's a whole different experience. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's just the, the complexity, all of all that is, is there in our genes. Um, so it's just a function of saying, uh, if you do the right things and she goes into detail in the book, how to do that with her program, um, then you're going to be able to slow the aging curve and be biologically younger. And it's fascinating with how quickly some of that change can be seen and measured mm-hmm. uh, as far as your, your, your genetic age, your bio age, uh, it can be flipped really, really quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fascinating how you described it as also a dimmer switch, you know, how you're right, you know, we've, I've got brown eyes and brown hair, but that's our our overall health can can kind of vacillate it can kind of change based on our lifestyle habits
0: yeah well you know it, it's it's things that we knew um mm-hmm. you know we knew that we knew genes were going to drive us to to be certain limits certain things and and we knew right. that okay if you have a particular gene uh when they first started doing the um the coding of that and, you know, getting the, getting the whole code, the the map of the human genome, when they started putting that all together and it took a long time and a lot of money, they thought they were going to have the answer to everything. You know, they thought that this this $3 billion and years and years of, of, and put into this program to get the first one done. Um, Mm -hmm. And now, you know, $100, $125, you can have that done um, over the course of a week or so. Um, But, that didn't answer all the questions and then they realized well okay genes can be turned on and turned off is what the initial premise was and so for a long mm-hmm. time that's what we thought and now they're realizing no some genes are always on brown hair brown eyes mm-hmm. some genes are sw- set on dimmer switches mm-hmm. and those those ones that are on these like dimmer switches we have some control over based on things that we do what we eat, our stress management, our movement, social connections. And uh, if we put good practices in, we put good food in, it's this information that goes in there and says, hey, slow this process down and speed this process up. Mm -hmm. And so it allows our body to age slower. It allows our body in some cases to reverse age Mm-hmm. Biologically, now not chronologically, you're still I'm right. 56 <laughs> years old. You know, I can't yep. fix that. <laughs> no, um, I am 56 years old, but um, I, you know, so I can't reverse that. Uh, but I can reverse my biological age if I take the time to implement these strategies that she has. Um, you can see that difference, you can measure that difference.
1: Mm-hmm. And the strategies are the things that we talk about all the time, which is eating high quality nutritious foods, having some level of mood, getting good sleep, reducing stress, which is not always easy but is important and and it, it's all these things that um, make for a healthier lifestyle, which yeah. it's, it's interesting to see that actually show in the science. <laughs> well, you know,
0: you go back to the blue zones. I mean, you know, when Britner wrote the book, Blue Zones, Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it has to have been 15, 20 years ago now, I think, but he wrote the book about why are people living past a hundred in all of these mm-hmm. different areas? And he tracked what they ate and what they, how they lived. And it was the social connection. It was low stress. It was high, regular movement, not necessarily mm-hmm. intense stuff, but just they're walking and they're moving and they're doing stuff. And, and then it's the food. And so, you know, you go through that process and you say okay, if, if I if I go ahead and start improving these things, I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to slow my aging curve. And it goes even a little bit beyond that. It's also about not just living longer, but living better, and that's also in the subtitle yeah. of the book. Um is that most of us will get to an age and then we'll just decline really quickly. Um and that's the aging curve. And uh, it's a scary slope when it starts to happen that way. You can mm-hmm. delay that and, and have that slope happen later in your life uh, mm-hmm. if if you take the time to do it. Um, we, we live longer because medicine keeps us alive longer, but it doesn't keep us healthier. Uh, medicine doesn't do that. So what we have to do is do the right things with the foods we're eating, the, the, mm-hmm. the movement, the sleep, the stress, doing the things that put good information in. So that the dimmer switches are turned on and off in a way that help us live longer and better.
1: Yep. That sounds great. What a fascinating interview.
0: Yeah. It's a good book. If you're interested in the science of all of this, uh, she did a lot of research on these different things. And, you know, even some of the kind of the more frou things that are, you know, out there that you can try. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is just a real good solid. Okay. This is how it works. Um, understanding this formula. You go through the process. And you start trying to eliminate bad things and add good things, um, and it works. Awesome. That sounds great. All right. Well, uh, talk to you next week. Great. Take care, Alan. You too. Thank you. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss what history tells us we're doing wrong with our health and fitness. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.